2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, what are we doing back here at this passage again? Well, here's the reason. There's two reasons. How many of you guys went to the how to do a quiet time and how to enjoy it? Anybody go to that one? Was it not so good? Yeah. It was phenomenal. We love Donnie Mayo, Catherine Mayo. Both of them are awesome. I want to help add to that a little bit today by walking through the passage with you and helping you guys navigate how do I read my Bible? How do I get something out of my Bible reading when I'm at home? So when you're at your house and you wake up in the morning before you go to school or maybe when you get home from school, you crack open your Bible. How do I get, how do I mine out of the Bible truths that will apply to me right here and now? So I want to walk through that. And then number two, I want you to be able to determine, not just from what I said on Sunday morning, but I want you to learn on the journey as well, how do you verify when you hear a sermon preached if it is in line with what the Bible says? Because there's a lot of people telling you what is true or what is not true, but it's on you to determine whether it is actually like verified. Is it truly in line with what Scripture says? So we're going to do that today by walking this passage. All right, let's walk this passage together. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ, what did he do? reconciled us to himself. Thank you, front row. Y'all killed that. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do me a favor. As you look at this text, I want you to go through, and I just want you to take your crayon or whatever you have color you can. I want you to underline every time you see the word reconciled. Every time you see the word reconciled, reconciliation, anything with that variation, I want you to underline it. All right, how many times do you see the word reconciled, reconciliation? How many? What you got right there? Five times. So let's begin by answering this. If Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about reconciliation, about being reconciled, you've got to determine at the top of your paper, write down the word reconciled. Whatever you want. You can write down a pen or pencil, crayon, I don't care, whatever you got. And put an equal sign. If you know what this word means, I want you to try to answer it right there by writing out what is the answer. What does reconciled mean? What does it mean? What does reconciled mean? Does anybody, would anybody be in the room say like, I don't remember what reconciled means? Anybody out there? A lot of the room. Hey, that's Okay. You want to have a guess of what they think it means? You had your hand up. What do you think? To repair or to restore or to rebuild a broken relationship. So put this. Relationship restored. 
relationship restored. Reconciled means for someone's relationship to be restored. That's a big church word, guys, real big. Can you think of an example where someone has been maybe needed to be reconciled recently? A story, maybe something happened recently. Can you think of something, a scenario? Someone might tell me, hey, when Sean Emery put that nail in his nose, that was real gross. You had beef with Sean, all right? And Sean says, can we be reconciled? Can you forgive me? Can we be back in right relationship for that gross nail trick that he did, huh? Would you say yes? Would you forgive him? No. No. What? All the girls are like, no. The guy's like, yeah, yeah, we're cool, man. Think of a moment. I can think of a moment in the Bible where someone was reconciled, they were restored. Do you remember when Joseph was thrown in that nasty pit? Who did that? Who threw him in the pit? His brothers. When Joseph's brothers threw him in the pit, they sold him into slavery. These guys were the sleaziest bros on the planet. Sleazy means like just absolute cheese balls. I mean, these guys are punks, all right? Listen, they were awful. They sold him into, they sold him into um, the, the slavery group that was coming by. They took him to Egypt. He served as a servant for Potiphar. He was... He was accused of something criminal. Shh, I'm not answering question right now. He was accused of something criminal. Because of that, he was put into prison. And I'm not kidding. For 13 years, Joseph went through literally the pit, Potiphar's house, and prison until eventually he rose to the top and was one of the top dogs in the whole land of Egypt. He was second to none other than Pharaoh. When a famine hits, his brothers come find Joseph in the middle of Egypt, and they're groveling for food. They're, they're looking for someone to feed them. Joseph reveals that he's alive. And Joseph, if he were like Corey O'Hara, I would have been like, listen, you sleazy bros. Time for you to pay your dues. You're going to prison or the pit or Potiphar's house. I don't, you're going somewhere, all right? But listen, Joseph was so kind. He wept with them and he hugged them and he basically told them, he said, you are forgiven. Our broken relationship has been reconciled. Look what God has done despite the beef here. I forgive you. We are right again. We're in good relationship again. That's a picture of reconciliation. Does that make sense? Well, what is this reconciliation talking about? It's talking about the fact that God and man were in a perfect relationship together. However, when they sinned in the very beginning, when they made a mistake, when Adam and Eve sinned, that relationship was broken. And that's, that relationship has continued to be broken until God made a way for people to be forgiven, which was through sacrifice. And that came through the blood of Jesus Christ. And when people believe in Jesus, this relationship is being restored. It is repaired. It is fixed. Actually, I'll just go like this right here. Boom. It is repaired. It's right again. That's what it's talking about. So in this passage, it says, let's go right here. I'm going to give you some highlights. If you want to do this with me, you can. If anyone is in Christ, y'all see that on the screen? Y'all see that back there? If y'all ever can't see in the back, just give me a shout out, all right? If anyone is in Christ, meaning anybody who's a Christian, can we just put right here at the top right here, can we put Christian? 
Anybody who is a believer and a follower of Jesus, it says that person is a new creation. That person's new. They've been changed. Remember the theme of Catalyst this weekend? You've been changed. And it says the old, which is, I'll put it in red actually. I'll do it like that. The old is gone, but the new has come. Meaning my old life has been washed away with my sin, with my guilt, with my shame. And it's been replaced with a new life of following Jesus. And so he says here, all of this is from God. What is the all here? What is that talking about? What do you think right here? Come on, front row. What y'all got, ladies? What's the all here mean? All this is from God. No, no. All this is from God. What is the all this is from God talking about? The forgiveness, the reconciliation, the fact that you've been made a new creation. Does that make sense? Guys, y'all get that? Y'all my front row Baptist. Y'all should be popping off up here, okay? Here's the deal. All this is from God. What does that mean? It means that all of this has been happening. All this salvation work, all the fact that we're a new creation is a result of God's gracious right hand. His good salvation. What did he do? He reconciled us to himself. What does that mean to us? Someone in the back. What does that mean we've been reconciled to God? What does that mean? What do you got right there? We've been restored to God. We're back in good terms. We're back on no beef with me and the Lord. We are in good terms. TJ, you laughing. No more beef with the Lord. You with me on that one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a Bible term for reconciliation, okay? reconciled to the Lord. It says that he reconciled us, but then he did something after that. What did he do? It says he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Y'all see that right there? What does that mean? Max knows I want to call on him. What do you think, Max? What does this mean? That God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's right. Yeah, he gave us the ministry. He gave us the call to serve, to share, to minister to other people. Middle school, this is a really big moment for you guys, man. Listen, you're not, you're not like sitting somewhere on the sidelines waiting for the coach to put you in the game. You're not second string you're not the last pick on the dodgeball squad. Look at me, look at me, look at me. You're not last. Listen, listen. You have been chosen. God has selected you. If you're a follower of Jesus, he chose you to be a part of ministering, of sharing, of serving the people around you. And this isn't from Corey. Look, the last thing I want to do is stand up here and just preach and preach and let them be my own words. This is what the Bible says. It says, you have been given the responsibility of ministering the gospel to other people. You're not on the sidelines. You're not second string. You're not last to be picked. You're first in line. The Lord chose you to be a part of the ministry. He gave you the ministry. He gave me the ministry. Every one of us have been invited and recruited to be a part of what God is doing right here on this side of eternity. 
ask yourself this question. If God has given you this right here, if he's given you the ministry of reconciliation, my question for you is this, what in the world does that look like for you in middle school ministry? How do you do this as a sixth grader, a seventh grader, and an eighth grader? Please take an arrow, draw it from ministry, and I want you to write down three ways right here to the right. I want you to write down three ways right now you as a middle school student can start living on mission in your season of life right now. And I want specifics, guys. I'm not talking about like go to church or uh, share the gospel or be a better person. Those things are true. They're good. But listen, I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for things like when I go to lunch at school, I'm going to look for one person in the lunchroom who doesn't have a lot of friends, and I'm going to try to sit with them and be intentional about building a relationship with that person so that one day they might have the chance to hear about who God is. That's specific. Now, that was very long, so I'm not trying to get you to write a novel, but that's what I'm talking about. Does that make sense? I'm looking for specificity. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Take it. Take two minutes. Write down three real ways you can live on mission right now. Two minutes, three real ways. All right. Be honest with yourself. This isn't, you're not getting a grade. It's not like I'm going to call and like give you a report card, okay? This is just you and the Lord and me, all right? Well, I guess it is all of us then too, but yeah. Did anybody, did anybody get at least one way written down? Anybody? At least one. At least two. Anybody get all three? Not me. I only got two. All right. I wrote down for mine. I've got a friend who helps. I work out with him Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. He does not know the Lord. He tells me he's not a Christian. He's not very religious, but he's been asking a lot of questions about the Lord. We talk all the time. He's coming over to my house on Sunday night. He came over last Sunday night. I'm going to keep trying to minister him. I'm trying to share the gospel. I told him this past week. I said, my, my, I'm not trying to be weird, man. I said, but I'll be honest. My goal is that one day you'll be persuaded to believe that God truly is the creator and designer of this world. I told him that to his face Tuesday morning in the parking lot of YMCA. Told him that. I'm trying to share with him. That's one of mine. Anybody else got another one they're working on? What you got right here? Yeah. Yeah. Man, I hope you get a chance to share with him. That's a big one. I'm not going to lie. That's really hard to share with family. Really hard to share with family. But do not give up hope. Pray the Lord gives you an opportunity and take advantage of it when you get a chance. All right? That's big time. That's, that's really hard. But man, you got that. What about you? Being an encouragement to your friends. That's cool. What about you? Yeah, that's cool. Being guard on your speech. Big time. One more. Jack, what you got? That's cool, man. Yeah, big time. All right. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Bada bing, bada boom. But here's the question. He's given us the ministry, but he's not done. There's one more thing he tells us. He says, God has also entrusted to us the message. That's right here. He's entrusted to us the message of reconciliation as well. What is the message? Y'all heard it on Sunday. What is it? Yes, but what is the 
What's the term we talk about in the church about what is the message we are sharing? Everybody's like, the gospel. Wow, he's entrusted you with it. Y'all can say it loud and proud. Okay, all right, not two shabs. The gospel, that's, that's right. The gospel is this. The gospel says this, that Jesus came to this earth. He died on the cross for our sins. He was perfect and right. He did not deserve to die on the cross, but he chose to die on the cross. In replacement of us and our sin and our death that we deserve. Because every one of us have made the big mistake. We've all rebelled against God. But God has made a way for us to be reconciled, to be made right with him again. And it's through the believing in Jesus Christ, through the repenting, meaning turning away from our sin and receiving him as the Lord of our life. When we choose to follow God by believing and turning away from sin, Max, come on, man, chill, bro. When we do that, he changes our life and we become a brand new creation in Christ. A brand new person, someone who is left the old ways and is put on the new ways. You've been made right with God and he hasn't just made you right. He has recruited you and brought you into a bigger mission. And he wants to use you to be a part of taking that same good news of the gospel to the rest of the people in this world that they might be made right with God as well. That is the good news of the gospel. That's as short and as concise as I can do it for you real quick. But I'm telling you, that's the message. Here's my question to you. If I were to invite you up right now and say you have three minutes to share with the entire crowd what is the gospel in a very clear and concise way from beginning to end, who Jesus is, what he did, and how someone can be saved, could you do it? Just personally, think about it. Could you do it? Can I be honest? If I was in your shoes in middle school, no chance. No chance. There is no way I would stand up in front of anybody and talk at all, much less try to tell about something like serious like the gospel. I would not feel confident. I wouldn't feel like I knew what words to say. I would be terrified. Anybody in middle school feel the same way out there? Yeah. Thank you all. Yeah, no chance. Guys, I am not... Look at me. I'm not trying to put on the expectation like I have something big or grand that I want you to memorize or think through or to to share in front of all your class one day. I'm not asking that. But I'm telling you this. The Bible says you each have been called to take on the responsibility of the ministry of seeing other people have a chance to respond to the gospel. Now, you can talk about living different being different, wanting your cousin or your little brother to get saved, your grandfather to get saved, all these things. We can be part of that. But here's what's key. For them to have the opportunity to respond to Jesus, they have to have the opportunity to know what the gospel is. So I'm not trying to put a burden on your shoulders. I'm just asking you guys to make it a priority this spring to learn the gospel inside and out. To learn it, to know it, so that whenever you leave the church and you're amongst people who don't know the gospel, you feel confident enough to be able to walk them through who Jesus is, what he did, and how they can be saved. 
That's a really tall order. I'm not acting like this is just an easy walk in the park. This is hard stuff. But this isn't coming from Corey. This is coming from right here in the Bible where it says he has entrusted to you the good news of the gospel. And he's called you, he has given you the ministry of the gospel. Both of these things are in both of your hands and it's up to you to steward them well. He has called you, he's recruited you, and he wants to use you right now to be a part of that kind of kingdom work. The obstacle for you is this, determining how can you start living on mission and then how can you begin getting better to get more clarity on knowing what the gospel is. Those two things are one of your greatest priorities right now in middle school. How can you be used by God to live on mission and how can you greater know the gospel so you're confident to share it? Does that make sense? Is that coming from Corey? No. Where's it coming from? The Bible. That's the authority for our life. The Bible says you've been called, you've been given the ministry of reconciliation and entrusted with the message of reconciliation. The question is, you, you've heard the words. What will you do with it tonight? Let me ask y'all a question. Would y'all want sometime in the spring for us to take a night where we give you very clear, 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 a clear way for you to be able to know what the gospel is inside and out? Would y'all want that? Yeah? Here's my deal, though. Here's the thing. If we do that, if we really do that, here's what I'm going to ask of y'all. I'll spend one week trying to walk through it as best I can. As best I can. I'll give it clear, like simple, easy. Everyone can learn it. We'll walk through it. And then we'll try to have another time where you guys can practice sharing with each other. Would y'all be down for that? That's not too cheese, is it? It's okay? Are y'all cool with trying that one day? If y'all can share it with your friends in here, which are your friends, right? You should be able to share it with someone that you meet out there or someone that you connect with at your school with a little more confidence because you practice right here and there. Is that cool? Y'all cool with trying that? We will look at it in the coming weeks, give you a chance to learn what the gospel is inside and out, and we'll give you a chance to practice sharing it as well so you feel confident as a middle schooler to know your calling in ministry, of sharing the gospel, and have the confidence to know what it is inside and out. Cool beans? All right. Here's what I want you to do. You got your piece of paper right here. You've got some notes. My hope is this. As you're reading your Bible this week, you should always have pen, pencil, colored pencil, something with you. And you should be marking up your Bible, taking notes, asking questions, writing arrows next to it to say, what do I do with this? How do I apply this to my life? Because that is key. Don't just be a hearer of the word. Be a hearer and a doer of the word and see what God does.